Today on Let's Talk VoiceOver with BT and Randy Ryan, we have special guest Dave Fenoy. Dave is one of the biggest names in voiceover and one of the most genuine people you could meet. As an award-winning video game actor, commercial voice, and narrator, Dave shares his wisdom from more than 30 years of experience. Today we'll talk about performing as a passion. We'll also talk about how the business is always changing, so you need to be aware and change with it. And we talk about that recurring theme. Be a musician with your voiceover performances to do your best work. Finally, we delve into the truth about ethnic voices and advice for those who cast them. It's a big show today, and this is only part one. So settle in, my friends. Let's talk voiceover. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Dave Fenoy is one of the industry's most versatile voice actors in commercials, narrations, promos, animation, and games, all the stuff we really want to be doing. He's worked in Los Angeles for over three decades. You may recognize Dave from commercial voice work on Lexus and McDonald's, but also the Hula Guy. Well, let's see. Uh, I was a Hulu guy for its first seven years. And uh, interesting story, if you want to get to that, uh, about how that gig came about. But uh, it was a great gig. I uh, hated to see it go. <laughs> but one of the uh, truest, one of the one of the truths about uh, this business is, uh, whatever gig comes your way, long term, short term, um, sooner or later it's going to go away. And I had a great run, seven almost eight years, uh, with Hulu. Uh, got dubbed the Hulu guy. Uh, Forty to fifty million people every day were hearing me say. The following program is brought to you with limited commercial interruption by, <laughs> and you would insert advertiser here. Well, you know that anything. <laughs> I, I always figure that anything uh, up to a year is a lifetime. So the fact that you did that for seven or oh, eight yeah. years, Dave, that's amazing. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, I've been very fortunate. I've had a few gigs over the years that were that. Uh, I was one of the voices of the Disney Channel before it went all kid. Wow. Uh, when uh, they used to do documentaries on the national parks and various and sundry other things. Uh, I got to do that, and that was so, God, six or seven years and uh, five years of something else, and I was the voice of SoapNet for about a year or two when it first started. So uh, I've, I've been very, really fortunate in my career to not only have uh, some high-profile gigs but some long-term high-profile gigs. Those are always the best <laughs> when they happen. <laughs> Absolutely. You worked in radio, is that right, Dave? I did. Um, I was a musician for a long time and then got married, had a kid, and realized I wasn't going to grow up to be a rock and roll star after all. So you picked radio? And uh, decided to go in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. You know I, I didn't know. I quit radio three times. <laughs> At least the last time it stuck. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, uh, I uh, I thought that because uh, if I went into radio and became a disc jockey, it would keep me close to music because I thought that what I was was a musician and wanted to hear music all the time. And I, 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 I did and do, but what I discovered uh, as a disc jockey is my real passion is performing. And as long as I can perform in any way, I'm a happy guy. Um so little by little, as I got deeper and deeper into radio, the music uh, became uh, less and less important in terms of playing it. 
Uh, and I discovered this thing called voiceover, which I know is kind of odd now. Everybody and their brother seems to be trying to do voiceover. But uh, it really got clear to me. I, just as I was beginning my radio career, I wasn't even on the radio yet. I was writing commercials for a radio station and being the continuity director. That's the person to make sure that the right commercials play at the right times so that on Tuesday uh, you don't hear that uh, commercial that says, sale ends Monday. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. Uh, and uh, one of the DJs uh, at the station I was working at was leaving. He was a buddy of mine. I said, hey, where are you going? He was a morning guy. And he goes, oh, I'm going over to the city. I'm going to do some voiceover work. I make more money doing that than I do on the radio. And... All, all of that stuck. Uh, wow, uh, more money than on the radio? What's voiceover? And he gave me a five or ten minute uh, voiceover lesson on what it was and what it what you needed to do. You know, this these are the voices you hear on commercials and TV promos and cartoons. And uh, you need a, a demo tape and an agent and you can get going. And uh, it was two years before I did anything about it. But the light had gone on, and it never went out. Wow. And for you, um, I'm just kind of curious because you are you, know, you kind of have the iconic voice for both um, DJing as well as for uh, as well as for VO, although you know, obviously, you know, we've worked together enough that I, you know, I know what you do. That is not like the typical DJ voice thing at all. But when you when right. you first, I, I'm going to presume that you first probably started getting into doing commercial VO, right? The first thing when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, the first thing I ended up doing were promos, and oddly enough, promos followed quickly by cartoons. Interesting. While I was still in San Francisco, though, before I left. Um, it was a little bit of both. I was the voice of Marine World Africa USA, their concert series every su every summer. Once I got an agent and joined the union, my very first gig was as um, for the, the California Lottery. So it, it, it's always been a mix with me. It's always been a mix of of commercials, TV promos, and animated stuff. Do you remember the first non-commercial thing that you did? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, TV 20 in San Francisco, independent station. I started doing some work for them uh, doing promos, and it was the bargain basement promo house <laughs> where you went over to the station, and uh, all the promos you could fit in to an hour for 25 bucks an hour. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Crazy. Sign me up. Also, <laughs> at that, yeah, yeah, sign me up. Also at the time, uh, the 976 numbers, this is uh, the late oh, 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, wor I worked for a company out of New York that did those. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I had a couple things going with a company. I don't know if they're in business anymore. Megaphone uh, out of San Francisco. And uh, the first gig I got with them was, once again, with the California Lottery. Somebody needed to uh, announce uh, the numbers that won on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and this is way back in the olden days <laughs> before the internet, Jenny, uh, I would drive over to San Francisco from my home in Berkeley and, you know, listen to the recording and do my, uh, 
Yeah, the numbers for tonight are blah, 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 whatever they were, and it's on a recording, and people would, you know, pay their uh, 50 cents or whatever to call. Yeah, for isn't that. that the best? Not only do you buy the lottery tickets, but then you also have to pay to find out the results. <laughs> that was a hell of a scam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, y- y- you know what would happen is they'd be announced on television at a particular time, uh, or you could wait to the next day. But if you, you know, you weren't uh, near a television and that had the lottery on or the lottery results on, uh, you could call this number and get them at any time. So uh, they were making a nice little piece of change doing that. Uh, Shortly after that, I started doing uh, the Prince and Michael Jackson hotlines where, uh, you know, kids could call up to find out the latest news about Prince and the latest news about Michael Jackson, and I'd go in about once a week and record those. Nice. Hey, thanks for calling the Michael Jackson hotline. Wow, this week, Michael and his monkey were up to no good. They were blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And then the Prince was kind of like, thanks for calling the Prince hotline. Prince, you know, Prince is blah, 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 and Prince is, you know, he's with Vanity now, but there's some rumors (laughs) <laughs> I, th- I think they call that targeting like for that. your audience, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then there was one other thing that I did. They had a romance line for women. And uh, women would call up and they'd hear me tell a story um, that they were, uh, I met them, we were attracted, they were in danger, I saved them, and then we made love. So how did you, how did your wife take that one? <laughs> as long as the checks cashed? Um, it was my first wife, and I don't think she cared <laughs> because I don't think she cared. <laughs> wow! And there's that. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say you've done a whole bunch of different things. You're, you've done award winning work on video games like The Walking Dead and The Wolf Among Us, and um, you know promo work, commercial work, narration work, uh, animation work. How did you get in so many different areas? And then how do you, how do you, because a lot of people tend to specialize. How do you stay relevant across a, a wide variety of areas like that, Dave? Well, you know, I wish I knew then I could be, be relevant uh, 100% of the time across all of them. Uh, my career has been kind of interesting because uh, I have gotten to do all those things and pretty much I do them all consistently. Someone asked me the other, well, where do you, where do you make most of your money? Is it in video games? And and I'm not the guy that, you know, sits down and figures that stuff out. I'm an artist, not a, 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 a pencil pusher. Uh, but I tend to have some of all of it going. And I think it, it uh, my philosophy on voiceover is a little expanded. I, I look at the different things we do in voiceover as genres. And uh, I you know, kind of listen and figure out what you're supposed to do with a particular genre and then give them that in my voice. So when I was a disc jockey, you got a lot of this. 107.7 KSOL. Hey, it's five after five and we're coming alive with all the hits. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, I never said it was five after five. That was just popped into my head there. <laughs> the boss jocks. from. But, uh, you know, you, you got more of the, the, the disc jockey voice. Uh, when I'm doing a narration. I'm a little more quiet. I'm telling the story. I'm underneath. I'm massaging the pictures. Uh, commercials could be anything. It depends, you know. Sometimes it's a big, come in today and get the, you know, whatever, whatever it is, 10% off and call this number and here's the, the directions to the place. You know, and anything in between. 
and uh, cartoons. I had grown up grown up watching cartoons, so I kind of had imitated a bunch of voices and uh, created some of my own, and got booked on a lot of adventure cartoons, uh, Spider Man, and uh, oh, the first one, New Kids on the Block. <laughs> I played Dick Scott, their manager, and as a disc jockey, had always hated. New kids on the block, but uh, perfect. Uh, ended up uh, putting a lot of money in my pocket. Were they? Were their characters actually the actual uh, people from the band? No, no. A uh, bunch of voiceover actors uh, from L.A. Uh, then I did a, a cartoon, uh, uh, Pro Stars, where I played Bo Jackson. So I said, Bo knows insert what he knows here a lot, <laughs> uh, and it was supposedly the superstar adventures of Bo Jackson. Uh, Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan. Wow. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of, you know, because pro athletes, when they're not doing their sport, uh, do uh, Yeah, they're out saving stuff. the world. Oh, of, of course. course. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely they are. Everybody yeah, knows absolutely that. Absolutely out there saving the world. <laughs> One golf course at a time. <laughs> oh, ouch. There ouch. you go. <laughs> so do you, do you have <laughs> a favorite genre that you like to do, Dave? You know, I really don't. Um I, I I love doing the work no matter what it is. Um, I I love performing. Um, I love when I'm the person that can give that director, that uh, producer, that project uh, what it needs uh, for whatever that thing is. Sometimes you're the whole thing uh, in a commercial TV promo or something like that. Sometimes you're you're just a cog in the machinery, uh, and sometimes you're a bigger or lesser cog. You know, Walking Dead game, well, that's a pretty big cog. Um, so I, I just enjoy the work. Uh, I get as excited today when I get booked on something as I ever was uh, from the you beginning. You know, I, I can relate to that completely. Uh, people ask me, you know, you've been doing this a long time. And I said, yeah, and you know the magical part is that every time I walk out of a studio after a job is done, I still feel like the kid that got away with stealing the cookie from the jar while mom was watching and she didn't say anything. It's that kind of energy and excitement, yeah, you know? Yeah, uh, it It is that kind of energy and excitement and also just a little let down that the job's over. Yeah, I could see that. Just a little let down. Ah. And, uh, you know, I work pretty fast. I mean, you and I have worked together. Um, I either get it or I don't. <laughs> not a lot of don'ts in there. <laughs> just, I'm just saying, not a lot of don'ts. <laughs> well, thank you. I understand it pretty quickly, what, what is needed. I do it. Uh, if there's some adjustments, I understand uh, when directors are – telling me, oh, we want this, we want that. I can't say that that has always been the case. I, I've learned to understand what people are trying to tell me over the years in voiceover because sometimes it's crazy stuff like, you know, can you make it faster but but make it sound slower? Uh, <laughs> you know, I want you to sound like a bigger guy but make it really compact. You know, uh, when you hear – I had somebody tell me one time, can you shorten the S on the end of that word? <laughs> What? What? Uh, and, and and my favorite, of course, and we've all done it, hey, just have fun with it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, my tendency is to get in and get out pretty quickly and love the hell out of doing it. 
uh, love it even more when I realize uh, that the, the they're I'm I'm saving them or helping them or they're loving what I'm doing, and then it's all over and I gotta go home and wait for the next call. That's the hard part, yeah. that, you know, and that's the part that most people don't realize. When you're a voice actor, I'd say probably 85 to 90, maybe even 95 percent of your time is spent marketing and promoting yourself and working on your craft and and uh, all those other things. Your time in the booth is uh, it's it's like the cherry on top. Absolutely. I tell people I tell my students all the time, look, your real job is auditioning. Yeah. And of course, in the world we live in now, I add to that marketing and sometimes billing. Fortunately, I have agents that uh, do most of that. But uh, you know, the, your your real work, I think, is is auditioning, is is figuring out what it is they really want. Um, and it's tougher now than it used to be. We used to all go into our agents, and you had somebody to direct you. Well, nowadays, that just doesn't happen. We have home studios. You get the copy. You get the specs. And you try to deliver based on the specs. And then, of course, how many times have you listened to that commercial that you auditioned for two weeks ago? And they said they wanted ABC. And you're hearing it on radio or television. And it's XYZ. Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes they, they don't really know what they want. I got a question for you, Dave. Um do you ever have directors or agents or whoever you're getting the copy from ever come back to you and say, that's not it, um, but I think if you did it more like this, we would be a little closer or give you or give you the option of, of a redirect like, you know, hey, do you want me to get on with you because I think you're close, but I think we can tweak this a little bit? Well, you know, I don't get that so much from uh, my agents. Uh, sometimes uh, you, you've auditioned for something and they've come down to, you know, two or three people and they loved what you were doing, but they want to tweak it a little bit. Um, you have to realize that more often than not, decisions are being made by committee and maybe, you know, one person loved you doing just what you wanted to do or just what you were doing rather. Uh, but somebody else or several somebody else's that are in the decision-making process were looking for something a little different. They, they wanted some, so they've agreed that, wow, he's, he's really good. We, we work with, but I still want my thing in there. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you get that, uh, you can get caught in between, uh, egos that has nothing to do with you. Sometimes you can be on the job and just be directed poorly. Well, sure. Uh, oftentimes, they don't actually speak the language uh, to tell you what it is they really want. Presuming they know what they want, too. Presuming they know what they want, and they're hiring so many children now that. Um, so you'll. <laughs> that's another thing that'll happen is the person that actually uh, can make the decision and is going to make the decision can't be bothered to leave the golf course uh, to be to in come the session the anymore. Session. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Call me yeah. when it's done. Um, and you, you, you hear a lot now, or you, 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 a lot of jobs, especially commercials, you're in a studio, you record, and then they say, Hey, now can you hang out? We're going to, we're going to pop it in and see what it sounds like. And then we're going to call so-and-so to see if we can get a, an approval. And so you've spent 15 minutes recording, um, and then 
half an hour waiting for them to find the guy that's on the golf course so he can uh, tweak it a little bit. And if there's one or two of them, you know, one's on the golf course, uh, one's at home doing something. And uh, if they don't like each other, you know, uh, if he, well, he said he liked it. Well, then I don't like it. Yes, you can get caught in the middle of that stuff sometimes. But uh, agents, no. Uh, I love it when my agent says, hey, really great take. Uh, and But most of the time, they don't have time to do that. As more and more auditions are online and you don't get the feedback mm-hmm. from, you know, when you used to go in and actually do a live audition and all that stuff. How do you fine tune yourself? How do you get better? How do you how do you get that kind of feedback that allows you to um, not only audition better, but actually book more? Well, you know, uh, in a way, you have to be uh, kind of a musician with it. Uh, when you're a musician, you're listening back. Wow, did that sound good? Was it melodic? Was it uh, in rhythm? Uh, was it, you know, smooth where it needed to be, staccato where it needed to be? Did it, did, did, did this music talk to you? And I kind of approach it the same way. Um, there's a, a certain music to everything that you do, a certain beat. Yep. Uh, and it's usually not what is exactly perfect because we as human beings don't communicate exactly perfectly. Uh, thoughts come to us. Uh, sometimes we speed it up. Sometimes we slow it down. Whoever we are and what our our backstory is, our own personal backstory, all of that comes through. And then there's just something in your voice um, that we don't always pick up, but other people do. So what I try to do is look at uh, the adjectives they're saying. We're looking for somebody, uh, A, of a particular age. It might be a particular race as well. Um, and what is it that they want? They want this to be, uh, caring. They want this to be upbeat. They want this to be, you know, insert whatever that is. And I try to give them that, uh, in a, as a character, as a person, uh, that the desired audience or demographic will relate to. You and I didn't really have a conversation about this, but, you know, you talk about, you have to look at what you know what somebody's asking for and they're asking for a specific age a specific ethnicity a specific race there was an article that was talking about a number of minority roles that had been cast and the preponderance of casting essentially just white actors to do whether they were asian or african american or accented from somewhere else and it was just a really interesting Thing. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, what some of your thoughts are on that. I know, being a director, that trying to always be searching for talent and always looking for people, there are, at mm-hmm. least in this country, you know, far more white middle class people who, for whatever reason, are in voiceover. But there yeah. are certainly still there are lots of African Americans. It's not like you know you can't find any. Uh, it's not like you can't find a. There, there are lots. There are lots of everybody. Lots of everybody. Exactly. Knocking on these doors now. You, the, the the smaller the group, the the smaller the number of people. But I think of my Asian buddies, right, uh, and and ladies who are doing this, and my Latino uh, buddy. Well, Absolutely. you know, I'm in California, so we got we have plenty, 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 plenty of Latino actors. I think sometimes, sometimes, um, 
it's sometimes kind of accidental racism or uh, unintended racism ha- happens uh, when casting people perhaps don't make the effort uh, to find authentic uh, black voices or Latino voices or Asian voices or island voices or, or, or whatever. I'm a little bit of two minds on one hand. Uh, Lord knows I have played many things other than a black American. But I'm a little concerned about uh, the majority population playing the minority population from a business aspect, from an opportunity aspect. Uh, There are lots and lots and lots of very talented and trained actors of every ilk. So it's a little disconcerting uh, when... You know, you've got a major role for uh, a black voice, a Latin voice, an Asian voice. And it rather than find a good actor from that community, and there always will be, uh, they take the easy out. Well, I know that person over there, you know, uh, she, can, she can do a black voice. She can do an, a, a Latino voice. She can do an Asian voice. Yeah. Bothers me bothers me. I, so I think the follow-up question on that is, from your perspective, how do we as an industry start addressing that? Because, you know, simple outrage is probably not the answer. Well, you know, I, I don't think, you know, outrage is not the answer. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to take that back. There's some people that have to be outraged and be out. Some, God bless uh, our protesters. God bless the people who pointed out it can't always be the artist that's doing the work. You can't always you don't want to show up as angry insert uh, ethnic minority here uh, on the set or at the the but we need advocates to remind people uh, to be inclusive. So yeah, we need some angry people out there. It's it's tough for the artist to be that angry person sometimes. I agree. Uh, because you don't want to alienate the people that might be hiring you. Early in my career, I used to get a lot of, you know, I, I speak English pretty well. If I don't want to be discovered as a black person just speaking to somebody on the phone, I don't have to be. And uh, in some uh, jobs, I would get, hey, uh, can you make it, uh, you know, black? <laughs> and I would always say, uh, <laughs> You know, or you'd get the euphemism uh, "urban," uh, right? Say, well, white people don't live in the <laughs> right. city. Come on. Um, and but when they would say, "Can you make it blacker?" I started saying to, and and now with the ranker say, "I'm not sure I understand what you mean." Isn't that asking for a stereotype? Well, it it definitely is asking for a stereotype, and and I'm not opposed to some stereotypes. We use them all the time in acting, but. What stereotype are you asking for? Uh, black people are not monolithic. We come from different places. We are of different ages. We are of different levels of of uh, education and and moneyed. And so, are you looking for a hip hop voice? Are you are you looking for somebody from down in the south live in the Delta? Yeah. Uh, are you looking for a New York brother? You know what what is it you're looking for? Tell me that. Again, the presumption is they know. Well, they don't necessarily. The presumption is, you know, racism is a funny thing. 
Uh, I lead with the idea that we are all racist, not because we want to be, but because these messages, this poison, this virus has been poured into our food, uh, whispered in our ears, uh, and in the air that we breathe. I think every one of us has had some kind of racist thought, you know, the Chinese lady going too slow in the fast lane, and uh, your thought is one thing. Now, you can accept that thought, or you can say, you know what? This is not who I want to be. Um, and all too often, people just take the thought. Uh, we can be better than we are if we choose to be. Amen. Nice thought. I agree. Dave Fenoy is incredibly gracious with his time and his wisdom and actually had a lot more to say about the business he knows and loves. In fact, too much for one podcast, so we split up the conversation into two parts. As most narration voiceovers go, this is the end of part one. What it really means is that we have you on the hook for part two. So pay attention for the next episode, Dave Fenoy part two. Although I'm mathematically challenged, I do believe that'll be episode five. Anyway... Let's Talk VoiceOver is hosted by Randy Ryan, owner of Hamsterball Studios, voice music and sound design, and Brian Talbot, actor and all-around creative guy. If you have comments, questions, ideas for other show topics that you'd be interested in hearing, or you just want to let us know what you think, you can reach us by sending an email to bt at letstalkvoiceover.com or go to our website at www.letstalkvoiceover.com. That's letstalkvoiceover.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite media app so you don't miss an episode. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk. Voiceover. We'll talk again real soon. <laughs>